0: Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the precious gift it is to have your word. But Lord, we know that our hearts are so hard and we need your Holy Spirit's help as we hear you speak to us. Lord, may your word soften us, may it convict us of our sinfulness and our need to change. Lord, we pray that through the preaching of your word this morning, we may repent anew to you. And cry out to you for forgiveness for the wrong that we have done. And continue to mortify the sin that is in our hearts. Lord, we do pray your blessing upon the preaching of your word this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I think we've all experienced having bad leaders over us. What it means to have a bad leader. I remember when I was... Uh, working at Target while I was going through my undergrad degree at uh, university, that I had different managers at work. And some of them were very good managers. And I enjoyed going to work when they were on. But then there were other managers who I didn't so much like and I considered bad leaders. And one incident in particular, well, one person in particular, the store manager that we had, we went through quite a few while I was there. Not that I kept instigating their removal, but um, uh, uh, that we went through quite a few, and there was one in particular that could never say anything encouraging at all, could never compliment you on your work, always had something negative to say. And I remember one time that I... I'd come to this realisation that there was never anything uh, encouraging coming out of this woman's mouth. And so I uh, worked really hard on a display. I was in the toy department, and it was before Christmas, and so I, I made this really nice display on a back wall, worked very hard all day on it to make it look ship-shaped, not my usual shoddy job uh, as I raced along. No, I worked really hard, and then the managers came round. And one manager said, that's brilliant, Joel, that looks really good. And then the store manager was with the other manager, and she said, hmm. I said, what do you think? She said, hmm, keep it that way. And I said, so you're saying that it's good then, if you want it to stay that way? Um, I was a little bit more arrogant in those days. Um, but yes, I said, do you want to, you're acknowledging it's good, aren't you? And she, she just went, hmm, keep it that way. And she would not compliment me on the work that I had done. And so I considered her a bad leader in that she wasn't encouraging me in my work. I think we've all experienced what it is to have someone over us who is a bad leader. And the passage that we're looking at today in Isaiah chapter 3 also speaks about bad leaders in the days of Israel that Isaiah was in. That there were bad leaders in Israel. And that's what we're going to look at this morning, is the bad leaders in Israel. So I encourage you to open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 3, which is on page 678 of the Black Church Bibles, and we'll be concentrating on verses 12 through to verse 15. We've been working through Isaiah for a couple of weeks now, and today we're going to be looking at verses 12 through to verse 15, and how the Jews are bad leaders, And so that's my first main point this morning. If you've got a church bulletin there, you can see my main points. And the first point this morning is that the Jews are bad leaders. But why are they bad leaders? Why are they bad leaders? Well, the first reason that we see Isaiah gives us as to why they're bad leaders is that they let others do their job. Does it say that there in verse 12, that they let others do their job? Now, it says in verse 12, "'Youths oppress my people, women rule over them.'" Now, it could be that youths are actually in charge, and that's what Isaiah is getting at. And we did see a couple of weeks ago that many of the last kings of Israel were actually youths. They were boys. Uh, But there's also the possibility that what he's getting at here is that youths are influencing the king. And so they're being they're in charge in the sense that they have sway with the king, and that happens from time to time in the kings of Israel. If we look at uh, Rehoboam, Solomon's son, he takes the throne, and what does he do? He goes out to Israel, and he's basically saying, "Look, are you going to serve under me?" and uh, and he asks advice from the elders, and then he asks advice from the young men that he grew up with, and whose advice does he take? He takes the young men's advice, and the young men's advice is oppress the people worse than Solomon did. And what happens? The kingdom splits. Jeroboam takes off with Israel, and Judah stays on its own under Rehoboam because he took the advice of the young men that youths influenced him. And then also, not just youths influence uh, uh, allowed to do the job of the king, but women rule over them. Verse 12, youths oppress my people Women rule over them. Now it could be that Isaiah is referring to actual women being in charge, and we see that with Queen Ataliah, she takes the throne and rules oppressively over the people and leads them astray. And that could be who Isaiah is talking about. But it could be that he's primarily getting at the fact that the kings are letting women be in charge by their advice. And we see that again and again in the kings of Israel. Who which women influence the king? Well, of course, his wife. His wife can lead him astray and influence him down dark paths. Who's the classic example of that? Jezebel, Queen Jezebel, leading Ahab astray, The, the guy who has little temper tantrums about vineyards. Jezebel leads him astray. And then, of course, most of the kings don't just have one wife. They have many wives. And once it's more than one wife, double the trouble, double the wives. And when you're Solomon... What happens? He has major problems at the end of his life because he has so many women there and they, the Bible tells us quite clearly, lead him to worship other gods. All those wives end up influencing the throne and ruling the people and getting the king to worship other gods. And who else, what other women influence the throne? Well, the Queen Mother. She often has a bit of sway with the king as well. Because, of course, the king's grown up and respects mum, respects mum's opinion. And so when he's on the throne, the queen can have some sway. And we see that with Solomon. Uh, who's Solomon's mum? Bathsheba. What is, uh, And then we see that little tiff that goes on in the early part of Solomon's reign where Bathsheba comes in and wants Abishag, the Shunammite who was with King David, to be given to Solomon's brother, which is really a stab at the throne. And Bathsheba goes in and makes a request to the king. And of course, Solomon sees what's happening. He's not that dumb. And he realizes what's going on. But the queen mother, uh, no, king's mother, has some influence there as well. And it may be that's what Isaiah is getting at as well, is that women are ruling not that they're actually in charge, but they're influencing the throne. And so the king is letting others do his job. And so he's a bad leader. Good leaders do their own leading. Bad leaders let other people do their leading. What's the second reason why these leaders are bad? Well, they lead others into sin. And we see that in verse 12 as well. Isaiah 3.12 says, Youths oppress my people, women rule over them. Oh, my people, your guides lead you astray. They turn you from the path. These kings are leading the people up the garden path. They're leading them off the right path and into the wrong path. They're leading them into sin. How do they do this? How do they lead others astray, turn them from the path? Well, one way is by teaching, incorrectly. So they teach that you're supposed to worship other gods, not just Yahweh, the God of Israel. And so they say, you can worship these gods as well. And so they teach the people wrong practices. And we see that with um, the king of Israel, Jeroboam, where he sets up an altar in another area and says, this is okay. And teaches the people, you can worship God here. You don't have to go to Jerusalem, where Rehoboam's in charge, my rival. No, no, worship God here. And it's wrong. And of course, not just by teaching, but by bad example, the leaders can lead people astray. And we see that with the kings of Israel. They might teach very well, but then their bad example takes the people off the right path. Solomon, very wise man. God gave him wisdom as he asked for. He wrote Proverbs, probably wrote Ecclesiastes as well. Song of Songs, part of our canon, part of our scripture is from Solomon. But then he taught well, but then he practised badly. He's a bad example as someone at the end of his life there going after other gods because his wives led him astray. And so these kings are bad leaders because they lead people up the path, the garden path, by their bad example and their bad teaching. And then there's one third way that these are bad leaders. What's the other way that they're bad? Well, they take advantage of others. And we see this in the following verses, verses 13 and 14 and 15. The Lord takes his place in court. He rises to judge the people. The Lord enters into judgment against the elders and leaders of his people. It is you who have ruined my vineyard. The plunder from the poor is in your houses what do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor, declares the Lord the Lord Almighty? These kings have power. Are they using their power to serve the people? Or are they using their power to serve themselves, to take advantage of the people? And the answer is quite clearly yes. How's it described them? End of verse fourteen. The plunder from the poor is in your houses. They have stolen from the people. They may have done it legally. They may have put in laws that, yes, I'm to tax you and I take your land if you do this. And so they just take it bit by bit and they use the soldiers to enforce it. They're plundering the people. They're plundering the poor. And then God goes on to describe it in greater detail uh, with the verbs crushing and grinding in verse 15. What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor? The, word, the verb there in Hebrew for grinding is the same verb that's used for grinding grain, for making bread. And here that's been used of the kings with the poor people. They're grinding the poor and taking advantage of them. So as you grind up grain, it's you Basically, killing it to give you life. They're grinding up the poor to give themselves life, to take advantage and to make themselves wealthy. So, these Jewish leaders are bad leaders for at least three reasons given to us in the text. They're letting others do their job, youths and women. They're leading others into sin. And they're also taking advantage of the people that are under them. Question is, does God care about this? Does He care about bad leaders? Well, yes. My second point this morning is that God judges bad leaders. And we see that in verses 13, 14, and 15, where God takes his place in the court, verse 13, and he rises to judge the people. He doesn't let it go on. He goes to court and he rises to judge them. And then he... uh, he accuses them, he makes the accusations of what they're doing in verse 14 the Lord enters into judgment against the elders and leaders of his people it is you who have ruined my vineyard, the plunder from the poor is in your houses, what do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor he is angry about it, he's taking them to court and saying you are in the wrong and he is the judge as well as the accuser here And he enters into judgment against them and condemns them for doing the wrong thing, that they are sinners in what they're doing in leading the people badly. But does that matter? Is it a big thing that God's so angry about their sin that he condemns them? Does anyone really care about God condemning them? They might acknowledge that what they're doing is the wrong thing, but does it matter that God's the one condemning them? Well, how is the Lord described there at end of verse 15? What do you mean by crushing my people and grinding the faces of the poor, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. The NIV translation there, Lord Almighty, is whenever it appears in the Hebrew, Lord of hosts, of armies, heavenly armies, of angels. This is not a God who you want to cross. He is the Lord Almighty. He has armies at his disposal and he will punish you for what you've done. Now, punishment isn't mentioned in the text there, but we've been going through Isaiah for a while now and we see punishment coming again and again on the people. He judges them and then doesn't leave it there. He punishes them and he has the power to do so as the Lord, the Lord Almighty. So God does care about bad leaders And he punishes them and judges them accordingly. But what about you? That's Israel. What about you? Are you a bad leader? Well, my third main point this morning is that you are a bad leader too. You are a bad leader. And there's a number of ways that you're a bad leader. You might say, oh, I'm not much of a leader. I don't have anything to lead. Well, there's a few areas of life that you are a leader And the first one is that you're a bad leader over your body and the possessions that God has given to you as a steward. You're meant to be governing over what God has given you, what he has blessed you with, the body that he's given you and the possessions that you have. You have charge of them. You are a leader of those. How are you a bad leader of that? Well, you often don't do your job. You let others lead your body and your possessions. Just like those leaders of Israel, let others do their decision-making for them. How do you do that? Well, peer pressure. You fear what other people might think of you. And so you let them influence how your body is going to go about in life and what you're going to do with your possessions. You don't lead. You let others lead for you. And so you're a bad leader. How else? Well, you lead your body into sin just like uh, these bad leaders of Israel were leading people astray, you lead your body into sin. You start with little sins, and then gradually you get used to those, and before you know it, you're leading into more and more sin and not even realising that it's sin any longer. You're leading yourself in the wrong path. And you take advantage of your body and your possessions, just like these leaders were taking advantage of the, who was under them. People abuse their bodies all the time. They know that drugs and alcohol in high consumption is bad for them. Health studies say it again and again, smoking is bad. And what do you do? You just lead your body, take advantage of it, go after the pleasures that those things can give for a temporary period. You take advantage of your body, just like these bad leaders take advantage of the people that were under them. Okay, so you're a bad leader of your body and possessions. What else are you a bad leader of? You're a bad leader in your family. How are you a leader in the family? Well, the most obvious one, of course, is parents. Parents are meant to lead their children. And you can be a very bad leader of your children quite easily. You can let others do your job for you. Instead of taking the responsibility for your children, you let other people tell you how you're meant to lead your children. The government says, smacking's wrong, we don't discipline children, it hurts their psychological health. The rod is bad. The Bible's an old book when Proverbs says the rod is good. God didn't know what he was talking about. We know better. And so you let the government tell you how you're meant to look after your children and whether you're to discipline them or not. You let others do your job for you. Or what's the other thing you can do? You can lead them into sin. Just like these leaders of Israel led their people into sin, you can lead your children into sin. How did the leaders of Israel lead the people up the path? by their teaching and by their example. Now, some parents are great on the teaching. But when it comes to the example, not so crash hot. And so the children are led off the path. They're led away from God instead of toward God. And so in the family, we can be very bad leaders and we can even take advantage of the children that are under you. You can think that children are there for your pleasure rather than that you're there to serve them and to look after them. And so whenever there's a problem with them, you think, oh, I can't deal with this. They're meant to be good little children all the time and making me happy. And so you want to just take advantage of them for your own happiness all the time rather than doing what is right for them. What's another way that you're a bad leader in the family? Well, husbands can be very bad leaders. I'm not going to get into a discussion today about husbands and... Uh, Wives submitting to their husbands, that's for another time when we have a more appropriate text. But I'll assume that most people are in agreement with that here, that husbands should lead their, their wives and their families. But husbands, we fail so often in our leadership of our wives. We let others decide what should happen. We let others do the leading. And that can be the wife. You can often let the wife do the decision-making and you're a bad leader and not living up to your responsibility. You can lead her into sin by your teaching and by your bad example. And you can take advantage of your wife that you're a leader over and think that she is there just for your pleasure rather than that you're there to serve her just as Christ served the church and gave his life up for her. So you are to give up yourself for your wife. And so you can be a very bad leader in taking advantage of your wife and thinking that she is just there for your pleasure, just like those bad leaders of Israel thought the poor were there just so that they could plunder them and take advantage of them and crush them and grind them. So in the family, you're a bad leader. What about at work? A bad leader at work. How are you a leader at work? Well, if you're a boss, of course you're leading people at work, aren't you? And it doesn't take very long to, once you're in the workplace to be in charge of someone, even if it's not officially once you've got a few years experience under your belt and someone new comes along, you're pretty much in charge of them. You can tell them what to do and you're often relied upon by the boss. You know, show so and so the ropes. So you're a leader very quickly on in the workplace and you can be a very bad leader in the same way that these Israelites were bad leaders. Don't do your job. Abdicate responsibility that you have, that you were paid to do. And instead of doing it, you get somebody else to do it. That's not proper delegation. It's really, you don't want to live up to your task. There's a movie came out recently, Up in the Air, and uh, with George Clooney, and it's very entertaining. its, uh, it's He's uh, a man who goes round and fires people. That's his job. He's employed by big corporations that are too chicken to fire their own staff when they've got layoffs to make, and so they employ a company to come in and do the firing of people so the people are crying and upset as he fires them. And that really is an abdication of responsibility. The bosses aren't firing their own people, aren't saying, look, we appreciate your service here and have a personal relationship with the employee. No, they're abdicating their responsibility. And you do that at work very easily. How else? Well, you lead people into sin. By your teaching and example in the workplace, you can lead people to think that they're doing the right job when they aren't. And you can encourage them to maybe be disgruntled at the big boss above you. It's all too easy to be a bad leader at work and take advantage of the people that are under you. Make them do things that they're not employed to do. You're taking advantage of them, just like those Israelite leaders were taking advantage of the poor. How else are you a bad leader? We've seen that you can be a bad leader with your body, and your possessions, a bad leader with a family, a bad leader at work, fourthly, bad leader of the country. How are you a leader of the country? The Prime Minister isn't here this morning. We've got no other MPs that I'm aware of here. How are you a bad leader of the country? Well, Australia is a democratic country, isn't it? It is a democracy. And so you have some leadership responsibility of the country. What laws are made and what laws aren't made and who is in charge. And you can be a bad leader as a citizen of Australia in a democracy like ours. You don't do your job. You don't vote accordingly to take a, take a clear decision about what is going on with the parliament and the laws that are being made. And so you let other people make the decisions for the country rather than you. You lead others into sin by not voting against bad laws. You vote, against, you vote for someone because, you know, speaks well or is a pretty face on TV And so you think that person should be in charge rather than considering whether they're going to put in good laws or bad laws because once the bad laws come in, they encourage people into sin. And so we have a responsibility to it. People say, oh, why do Christians keep getting upset about homosexual marriage? Well, it's because we don't want people to think that homosexual activity is normal. We want people to realise that it is wrong. And as we accept homosexual marriage into the country... We are normalising the activity and letting people deaden their conscience to the fact that homosexuality is wrong. And so that's why we should make a stand against such laws as they come in and not lead the rest of the country into sin and guide them off the path. And we can take advantage of the poor as a democracy as well. We can make sure that we vote for laws that favour the rich, tax laws that are beneficial for the rich rather than for the poor. And the welfare benefits for those who really need them aren't there. We can be very bad leaders of the country. And then fifthly, lastly, how else can you be a bad leader? You can be a bad leader at church. How are you a leader at church? You might be an elder, a deacon, pastor. And so, of course, yes, you're obviously a leader. But... In churches like ours, where we have congregational church government, which I do think is biblical, that's why I'm a Baptist partly, it's not just because I believe in uh, baptism of adults as believers, I believe in congregational church government, I see it there in scripture, and so the members of the church have a responsibility to govern well. How do they govern well? One of the things that they vote for at the meetings, and particularly who they vote for as leaders of the church. If they vote for bad leaders, then they're responsible for electing those bad leaders, those bad elders, those bad deacons that lead the people astray. And you can also be a bad leader by taking advantage of other people in the church. When you elect bad leaders, they can really have an emphasis on the rich people in the congregation. You see that happen in church history again and again. Really wealthy people have a lot of sway with the church. You see that in, um, in, in most of you are familiar with things like Jane Austen's *Pride and Prejudice*. Well, half of you are. Well, there's more women probably here this morning than um, men. But you see that with the benefactor uh, of uh, of that um, that rector. What's his name? And Lady Catherwood. Is that right? No, that's wrong. Anyway, you've got the... Mr Wickham? No, he's the one who runs off. I'm really digging myself into a hole here. Um, Mr Collins, the the rector that has a a large estate because there's this great benefactor who is Mr Darcy's aunt, and, uh, and so she gives a lot of money. And so he basically is always towing the line because she's in charge with all the money. And that can happen in churches. The rich are favoured and the poor people that need a lot of help, they're looked over completely. And you have a responsibility as a congregational church government to make sure that the leaders in charge have a heart for all the people, not just the rich, and take advantage of them. So we can lead others into sin. We can take advantage of them. We cannot do our job properly in a number of areas, do you recognize that you are a bad leader? Do you recognize that you're a leader in the family, over your body, in the country, in the church, at work? And then do you realize that you are a bad leader? You have let other people do your job when you should have. You have led others into sin by the things that you have said and taught by your example. And you've taken advantage of those people under you. Is this a problem? Yes. Just as God judges and condemns the people in the day of Israel, so he does today. He condemns you as sinful for your bad leadership. And you will be punished. The punishment of eternity in hell forever will be upon you for what you have done. In your bad leadership. So what are you to do? You recognise you're a leader, you recognise you're a bad leader. What are you to do? Are you to be a good leader to make up for the times that you've been a bad leader? Well, most people would think that. I've done some bad stuff, do some good stuff, it'll weigh the bad stuff, and I'll be okay. No, it's not true. You're meant to be a good leader all the time. As soon as you slip up once as a bad leader, you're condemned. So what are you to do? Well, the New Testament tells us, doesn't it? And The Old Testament tells us as well. New Testament tells us very clearly, you're meant to repent of being a bad leader. First, admit to God that you have done the wrong thing. Recognize you're a bad leader. And then trust that Jesus took all your bad leadership sins on the cross. That at the cross, as he's hanging there, your sin is being imputed to him there's a big sub a great substitution that's taking place as your bad leadership is going over to him, and then the perfect leader, the righteous leader, Jesus Christ, who never sinned, never exhibited bad leadership over his body over the church, that's coming over to you as your righteousness, and so you are not condemned, you instead have eternal life and are not punished for eternity in hell because God sees his righteousness credited to your account. That's what you're to do. You're to repent of your bad leadership and to trust that Jesus has taken your bad leadership and done away with it, covered it, removed it as far as the east is from the west. And then what do you do? Well, you be a good leader. You don't be a good leader. You aren't a good leader just to Getting to heaven. You're a good leader because you are going to heaven. And so you start to function rightly. You you govern yourself properly. Your body and your possessions. You don't take advantage of your body. You don't let other people tell you what to do with your body. You don't lead your body into sin. And you are a good leader at church. You're a good leader of the country. You're a good leader in the family. You're a good leader at work. Not to save you, but because you recognize what Jesus has done for you and you want to please him and you want to show your thankfulness for his removal of your bad leadership sins. Have you recognized you're a leader? Have you recognized you're a bad leader? I asked you this morning, have you repented of your bad leadership and believed in Jesus Christ? And are you, day in, day out, trying to be a good leader instead of a bad leader? Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the honour you give to men, the leadership responsibilities you have placed upon us, but, Lord, we recognise that we have failed so, so often in our leadership. We have not governed ourselves as we should have. And we have not governed those people that you have placed under us as we should have. Lord, we repent of our bad leadership, of our letting others take charge, of leading others into sin by teaching an example and by taking advantage Of those under us Lord we pray that you may forgive us through the work of Jesus Christ at the cross Lord cleanse us of our bad leadership may Christ's good leadership be imputed to us Lord we do pray for anyone this morning who has not repented and believed in Jesus we pray that you will convict them of their bad leadership today and may they rejoice tonight because they are one of your people cleansed and changed from their sinfulness. And Lord, we pray for the Christians in the room. We pray that you may help us to be good leaders, repent anew of our bad leadership, trust in Christ's forgiveness for that, but help us to be good leaders in the home, good leaders in the workplace, good leaders in the work uh, in the country, good leaders in the church, and good leaders of ourselves. Without Christ's strength, we can't do any of that, O Lord. And we beg of you that you will help us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.